evidence of a real disciple. Luke chapter 14, where our Lord says, for example, verse 26, If a man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. That's pretty strong language. May I, may I suggest may I suggest this? In verse 26, Christ must be before others. In verse 27, Christ must be before self. In verse 33, Christ must be before things. In other words, we come right back to our definition. Christ must be the center of our affections. Before others, before self, for things, nothing left out. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never The spiritual life of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ continues in this class on discipleship as found in the Bible. One truth that Dr. Mitchell brings out is that one's capacity for truth is instrumental in one's ability to receive truth, and some have more capacity than others. The more truth one takes in, however, the more the capacity is increased. And next he goes on to show what the Lord Jesus says as what reveals one as being a disciple of the Savior. And what is that? Love, the badge of discipleship. Then Dr. Mitchell says there's a threefold command of discipleship. It's look ye, pray ye, go ye, which means vision, burden, and witnessing. Well, let's open our Bible then to Luke chapter 14, verse 25 with Dr. Mitchell, as he speaks on true discipleship, followed by some answers to student questions. You're listening to the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Fruit-bearing is an evidence of a real disciple. The next one is is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. And I'm going to I better read these verses from Luke chapter 14 where our Lord says, for example, in verse 26, If a man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brethren and his sisters and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot 
be my disciple. That's pretty strong language. May I, may I suggest may I suggest this? In verse 26, Christ must be before others. In verse 27, Christ must be before self. In verse 33, Christ must be before things. In other words, we come right back to our definition. Christ must be the center of our affections. Before others, before self, before things. Nothing left out. That's in Luke chapter 14. Now, there's some advantages in being a disciple. And I would suggest the book of Mark chapter 4. The book of Mark chapter 4, just as an illustration of this, in Mark chapter 4, where our Lord was teaching the, the multitudes with parables. And I read in verse 34 these words, without a parable... Speaking not unto them, and when they were alone, when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. When they were alone. It's when you get alone with the Lord in the word of God, he begins to reveal, expound to you the truths that you need to know. Now, may I just say in this connection, you receive truth according to your capacity to receive it. Yet I've been teaching this class all four. Some of you got a little wee bit out of it. Some of you got much more out of it. You all took in according to your capacity. But the more we take in, the more he gives us. He enlarges our capacity. And that's how we need to have God Enlarge our capacity for truth. And the Lord does not reveal his truth to any Tom, Dick, or Harry, not even to his people. It's to his disciples. A disciple will take the time to listen. A disciple will take the time to wait upon him and to get into the word of God. A real disciple. See. Now there's a badge of discipleship, and you find that in John chapter 13, about verse 34 and verse 35, John chapter 13, where our Lord said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one for another. The badge of discipleship is love. You have this in verses 34 and verse 35. Now, having said that, that's the badge of discipleship. Then you have some the responsibility of being a disciple. And you find this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, the feeding of the 5,000, when the Lord said, you give, you give them to eat. And I needn't take time upon that. That's in Luke, chapter 9, by the way. Give ye them to eat. Why didn't the Lord call for volunteers to feed that whole crowd? 5,000 men besides women and children. Five loaves and two fishes. By the way, may I inject here in that connection, this is the only miracle of our Savior that is recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all give us the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And it'd be very, very nice for me. I'd enjoy spending the rest of the time just on that little one miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, taking... Uh, 
taken the four Gospels, and especially John chapter 6 with Luke chapter 9, and see the detail of it. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. that God commands his disciples, you feed them. And they said, we've only got five loaves and two fishes. And when their eyes were on the crowd and upon circumstances, upon what they had, they couldn't do a thing. And then when they had their eyes on whom they had, they could have fed five million. It's just as easy as 5,000. See, when the Lord is a source of supply, uh, there's no limit to it. Where is this verse? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Anybody? Put your hand up so I can spot you. What is it? All right, Philippians 4.9. What's Philippians 4.13? Good for you. And what's Philippians 1.6? I'm looking at you, young lady. I thought maybe I had somebody who had read Philippians a little wee bit. Do you know Philippians 1.21? Oh, don't look it up. Don't look it up for that. Sakes. Don't you know that? Uh, you folk, listen now, just a minute now. I'm talking to her. You add that to your repertoire of verses in Philippians, will you? Philippians 1 6 and Philippians, and don't forget verse 20 of chapter 1 2. Most people memorize 20, 21. You know what that is? For to me to live. Christ to die is what? Gain or to be with Christ. No, verse 20. Ah, that's the key of it. All right. Just one more thing about discipleship. The command of Christ to discipleship is a threefold command. Very, very brief. Look ye, pray ye, go ye. Isn't that simple? Look ye, pray ye, go ye. Lift up your eyes and look, for the fields are white on the harvest. That's about John chapter 4. It's about verse 30, 34, 35, 36 in there. Lift up your eyes and look. You say they get four months to harvest. I say to you, lift up your eyes and look. The fields are white on the harvest. Look ye. Get that's vision. That's vision. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, the last, the last verse of the chapter. He had compassion upon the people, and he said to his disciples, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he will thrust forth laborers into his harvest fields. Pray ye. That's burden. And then you have in Matthew 28, starting at verse 18 to the end, All authority is mine in heaven and earth. Go ye and disciple all nations. Go ye. It's verse 19 of Matthew 28. So you have, look ye, that's, look, that's, Ver, that's vision. Uh, pray ye, that's burden. Call ye, that's witnessing. You see, that's the order of it. You've got to get vision first. When you get vision, then you get a burden. When you get a burden, then you get a desire to carry out. Call ye and disciple all nations. That's all I'm going to say about discipleship. We should have spent a whole hour on this looking at the scriptures and a few other ones that I haven't given to you, but that'll be enough for the present.
Now, have you got any questions? Did somebody have some questions? We got a few minutes of questions. Anybody else? Just you wait before you go and pick up those questions there, will you? Another one right over there. Now, you should have had all these ready at the very beginning. We better have another hour, I guess, the way it's coming along. I think, Pastor, though, it was a more advantage to you and to me to spend a few moments on this question of discipleship. Uh, we need about another four hours of this class to spend an hour on walking in the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and so on and so forth. Come back next year and we'll go on through with it. What did Christ mean when he stated in John 10, 34, you are God's? He's quoting from the Psalms. Uh, when the psalmist speaks of the fact you are God, speaking of, of God's people, you are God's, I would say in that connection uh, that they were the ones who were standing out from all the nations of the earth as the people of God to reveal God to men. For example, in the book of Exodus, God said to Moses, uh, you shall be as God to Pharaoh and Aaron should be your prophet. What do I mean? That you are my representative. But he did say, you are before Pharaoh as God, and Aaron shall be your prophet. This is what you have in the book of Exodus, do you remember? And this other portion, this, this, this is a quotation, by the way, from the Psalms. Uh, not in the sense that they're deity, but that they're the ones who represent him. And he takes that verse right out of it because when you come to John chapter 14, he said, when Philip said, show us the Father, our Lord said, have I been so long time with you, Philip? Don't you know me? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How is God dealing with the Jews today? How will he judge them? Uh, may I say that if you want to follow this through, with the Jews, the Jews today are going back in unbelief. Uh, the nation has been established for about 25 years, approximately. And may I say concerning the Jewish nation today, uh, it's the first time in 2,500 years, it's the first time in 2,500 years they have not been under Gentile domination. From the days of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, spoken of in Jeremiah, right through until the Lord comes to the earth to reign and deliver the remnant of Israel, uh, they, they have not been under, they've been under Gentile domination. Uh, how will he judge them? In the tribulation period, they're going to be judged, and two-thirds of them are going to be cut off. This is a tragedy. If you want to follow that through, I would suggest Jeremiah chapter, Jeremiah chapter 30, about the 6th or 7th verse, the time of Jacob's trouble, the judgment of God upon Israel. In the book of Ezekiel chapter 22, no, pardon me, in Ezekiel chapter 20, he's going to purge out of Israel her rebels, that is the unbelieving Jew. In Zechariah chapter 13, the last Verse, last two verses. I'll cut two-thirds of you off and bring one-third to the fire, and I will say to them, this is my people, and they will say, 
Jehovah is our God. This is going to take place in the tribulation period. If you want to follow further, I would suggest the 37th chapter of Ezekiel, where you've got the story of the dry bones, the valley of dry bones. The bones have come together. They're a nation now. For the first time in 25 years, they've become a nation. The bones are together, but there's no life in them, no spiritual life. And if you were to go back to Israel today, if you were to go to Palestine today, you'll find out the great majority of the Jews don't even attend synagogue. The great thing with them is Zionism. You find a few Orthodox Jews, like the Yemenite Jews, for example, who came out of Yemen. Uh, they went back to Israel because they, they, they were, went back because the new Messiah was coming. I don't want to get into that. It's a wonderful story about the Near East. But you watch what's happening today. I'm, I'm just thrilled every day. I'm thrilled. First thing I look for in the newspaper, what, what is it going to do? Say, because things are moving along prophetically. I don't want to go into it. When we meet up with people, the Christians, who have wrong views on sanctification and the Holy Spirit, should we have fellowship with them? Or could we work with them? Now, this depends upon their personalities, of course. Remember, a great many folk who believe in a, I take it from the question, who believe in a second definite work of grace called sanctification, subsequent to salvation, uh, or the Spirit of God, receiving the Spirit of God after they're saved, so on. Shall we work with them? Shall we recognize them? Shall we have fellowship with them? Uh, the great majority of them, I believe, really love the Lord. And there's no need for you to, to cut them off. They really love the Lord. As to working with them, you haven't got a very common ground, except on the ground of getting people saved. You'll find, you'll find you must manifest a great deal of patience. Most of them have never heard anything else. Let me, let me say this to you, young people. The average Christian today is quite ignorant of even the fundamental truths of the gospel. Let's be very realistic about it. What shall we do? How can we help them? And don't argue. Truth, remember, truth is never imparted by argument. Truth is imparted by the Spirit of God comes by revelation from the Spirit of God. Like the Lord said to Peter, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father who is in heaven. And may I say, the older I get, the more I deal with people, the more I realize, basically, there's not much difference in your heart. You may use, a lot of it is terminology. Let's be, get, let's be clear about this. Much of it is just terminology, different terminology. But you've got people who are hungry for reality. The trouble is they've never seen the completeness of Christ's work. You be very patient. Don't argue. Give them the word of God. And don't talk without having the word of God to back up what you're saying, not some experience. Could I, could I make this statement? Because you're going to be faced with it. Do not, do not judge the word of God in the light of your experience. You judge your experience in the light of the word of God. The norm is not your experience, but the Word of God. I'm just, I'm reading a book right now. It's about that thick. It's a heavy situation. One of these fellows has written, a, has read about a hundred books on the subject. And 
the bibliography at the bank is about this thick of bibliography. And the only way he got the time to read all his books, and he quotes a great deal. It's kind of heavy reading. But all the way through in his argument, there was one thing. When he can't find, uh, how shall I put it, a verse in the Scriptures to measure up to his experience, he'll take a verse and, and he'll twist it. It's a, I was amazed at this, the inconsistency of it. How easy it is if you've had an experience uh, you want to make the Word of God fit your experience, and you want everybody else to have the same experience, you know? In fact, in this book, this fellow says, you're not, you don't have real full salvation until you have this experience. Well, it's not true. It's not true. He has three kinds of faith. This fellow has three kinds of faith. Faith to do this, that's one faith. Faith to be saved, that, that's just uh, only believism, you see. And you've got to have a different kind of a faith to get sanctified. Then you've got to have a different kind of faith to get the Holy Spirit. And boy, all kinds of faith. When faith is what? Faith is just, well, what, how would you say, what is faith? Faith is the human response to a divine revelation. I'm going to be theological, that's where it is. Your response to a divine revelation. Fairest Lord Jesus,
shines brighter. Jesus shines purer than all the angels heaven can Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.